Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome once again to the CMI School of Christ. And um, we're going to go ahead and continue with our class, The Great Mercy of God. And before we go into the notes uh, for today, I just want us to look real quick, kind of what we covered last week. Basically, what we did last week, we looked at uh, commentary, John Gill's expositor. And I read some from his commentary, and I made my own comments as well throughout the class, and it was basically having to do with uh, comparing the Jews at the time in John chapter 8 who were listening to Jesus, the Jews who believed who were listening to Jesus, uh, versus Abraham himself, and uh, they were making claims, and Jesus was basically uh, declaring the truth, and uh, Things weren't lining up, I guess, with them in their hearts. And <clears throat> so I want to go ahead and continue uh, just today. I still want to continue in John chapter 8. The passage is basically uh, verse 39 and verse 40, and I'll just go ahead and read it real quick. They answered and said unto him, Abraham, our father, is our father. Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. And uh, I want to look at another commentary, actually just a couple, because one of them kind of brings to light some things uh, concerning Abraham. And the other one just gives some verse references that I, I do want us to look at. Now, just take a quick, uh, quick look here. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'll just, I'll just go ahead and uh, go ahead and read that. But before I read that commentary, I do want us to do this. I want us to look at a particular term here that Jesus uses. Forgive me, give me a second. I didn't have the verse queued up. In uh, verse 40 of John chapter 8, he says, But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. A man which hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. And then he says, uh, this did not Abraham. Basically, Abraham never sought to kill me. Abraham desired my appearing to behold me. All right. Now, that term, man, is Strong's number 444. Triple four. In the Strong's Dictionary, it basically says uh, from 435, and it uh, basically says uh, the countenance from 3700, man-faced, that is a human being, certain man. But the countenance is specifically not only a man, but it's the countenance of the man. 
But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth. One in whose countenance I'm declaring the truth. Now, the reason why I wanted us to look at that is because I want us to uh, look at another verse, and then I'll just continue reading in a second. But uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, I want to go ahead and start with verse 11. <clears throat> and uh, it says this, and, and he gave some apostles and some uh, prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And uh, right there, that's basically Christ governing in believers. Apostles, the great apostle is Christ himself. Uh, prophet, the great prophet is Christ himself. The evangelist, the great evangelist is Christ himself. Uh, pastor, teacher, the great pastor, the shepherd of our soul is Christ himself. The teacher, Jesus said, call no man teacher, for you have one teacher. So all these offices, and I'm not going to spend the time uh, during this class going over it, but all these offices are basically Christ himself functioning in his body. All right, but... Uh, I'll go ahead and continue reading verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the purpose of the whole body of Christ being edified. Then verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, that we henceforth be no more children as opposed to a man. And just real quick, that uh, term children is a Strong's number 3516. And this is just a Strong's uh, Dictionary. It says, uh, from an obsolete particle, uh, ne, implying negation, and Strong's number 2031, not speaking. That is an infant minor, figuratively a simple-minded person, an immature Christian, and then it translates into the English as babe, child, or childish. And I... I looked at it in a Vines uh, dictionary, that same exact term that we're looking at right now for children. And uh, forgive me, I can't find it on my, in my English. Uh, this is funny. I can't find it in my English app, but it was way easier to find it in my Spanish app. And let me go ahead and find it real quick again. For the same uh, Strong's number, 3516. And in the Vines, it basically says, without, without the power to speak. Without the power to speak. And you can go ahead and look at it, look it up in the Vines, that's what you're going to find. Uh, as I said, forgive me, I can't find it in my English app. I'm actually reading the Spanish one and translating it. But it's basically without the power to speak. There's no power to speak. Well, that just 
like exploded in my own heart because what I'm thinking of when I read that was was basically uh, Galatians. I may have it in my... Nope, I don't have it. Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. And this is Paul. He says, uh, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, among the Gentiles. And for one who is born again, when, how shall I put it? I'll just say this. Everyone, regardless of the person, whether they be born again or not, will declare what they see. Because whatever they see is what they are knowing. If we are uh, beholding ourselves, then we will declare humanity. We will declare man. But if we are beholding the face of Christ, we will declare Christ. And I say that uh, across the board, whether the person is born again or not. Now, for the one who's born again, though Christ is present... Until God the Father reveals the one who is present in the heart, in the soul of the believer, of the one who's born again, then we, get, we can look at it with our diagram. Then we are like Abram was in Haran, basically governed by the natural man, governed by everything that was before we were born again. Not governed by reality, not governed by the truth, but governed by darkness. Governed by ignorance of the one who's present. And, listen, we have no power to speak, to declare the one who is present, who has, listen to this, who has been present since the moment of new birth. Paul calls it uh, a child Oh, and I didn't write the verse down. Excuse me, I'll... Actually, I did. It's further down in my notes. It's all right. Paul calls that understanding the understanding of a child, that we be no more children tossed to and fro. Uh, where was it? That we, hence, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ himself. Basically, Paul says that, and well, I'll go ahead and read it, verse, uh, verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Or the oneness of the faith, of the faith, unanimity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Do we all come in this? Listen, in the same faith. Do we all come and in the knowledge of the Son of God? Do you see that? Do we all come? Now, 
It's not a come like, like Abram, as I've said before. It's not a come like Abram where he was one place, God was another place. No, no, no. Because of the cross, because of Christ dying on the cross, we can now be born again. Abram was not born again. Abraham was not born again at the time, though his natural life was a testimony, first and foremost, of Christ. And then a testimony of Christ. And then it's something we can see that there's an order there with Abram and with all uh, those mentioned. And I think like you find it in in, uh, Hebrews, these all died in faith. These all uh, looked for from afar, from without. And even Jesus, uh, speaking of Abraham, he says, Abraham uh, leaped forward to see my day. And then he says this, and he saw it and was glad. So, unlike Abraham taking this, or Abram at the time, uh, taking this massive journey to come to some place with a born-again believer, it's, it is more just simply this. When the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is removed, and God the Father reveals the one who has been present in the soul since the moment of new birth. And then in beholding, listen to this, behold, in beholding the one who has been present in the soul from the moment of new birth, we have now the knowledge of the Son of God. Because we are beholding the Son of God, Christ, the Son of God, who has been present in the soul since the moment of new birth. And now, It is the knowledge of him who is present, the knowledge of the Son of God that now governs. And then, at that moment, we are no longer as children governed by the natural mind, governed by the, you know, what, what, governed by something other than the mind of Christ. I'll just put it that way. It could be governed by my own mind, the mind of man. That's a child. A child is basically one, or the understanding of a child is basically one who is not governed by the mind of Christ because there is no knowledge of the Christ who is present. And once again, I'm speaking this concerning those who are born again. There is no knowledge of the Christ, the Son of God, who is present. And there is no knowledge of Christ, the Son of God, who is present because there is no beholding of him who is present. So I just did want to mention that because um, we're going to see it play out really nicely here. But even Jesus himself said this in verse 40. He says, "But but you seek to kill me, a man, not a child, a man that has told you the truth. Now, the Lord, he is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ of God. And yet Jesus, the only single one who had this perfect relationship with God the Father, and he declared this, I and my Father, the Father in me. The Father in me speaketh the words. The Father in me doeth the works. It is not I, but the Father in me. And see, he was knowing the Father in a perfect manner. He knew and continued to know his Father in a perfect manner, face-to-face relationship. And unveiled face. And basically, uh, forgive me, I, I, you know, I use my natural face, I point at my natural face, but no. 
His heart was, un, was completely unveiled unto the face of his father. And Jesus beheld the face of his father in the eye, through the eye of his soul, through the eye of his heart, through the eye of his understanding. <clears throat> so, um, Jesus walked as a man because he was not governed by the understanding of the natural man, of humanity. Uh, I, I, I say this, and please forgive me, don't, don't get this uh, mixed up. He walked as a man with the understanding of a man, scripturally defined, versus the understanding of a child. And once again, the understanding of a man is this, knowing the one who is present. Christ, the Son of God, knew who was present filling his soul, God the Father. All the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. There you go. In the person of Jesus Christ. And he walked in that knowledge, in the knowledge of God. Now us, we're to walk in the knowledge of the Son of God. Because the one who is born again is born of the Son of God, the Seed of God, of Christ Himself. And Christ is present. At the moment of new birth, Christ is present in the soul. The soul must come to know the one who's present. <clears throat> I was uh, speaking with a believer just last week, and, uh, well, I don't want to mention much, but basically uh, what I heard was that, you know, in a lot of... Uh, in a lot of uh, Christian fellowships, the whole emphasis is you must be born again. You must be born again. You must be saved. You must be saved. Okay, you must be saved. You must be saved. And so then uh, the question arises, okay, uh, so what now after you're born again? Okay, so what now after you're saved? What now? What now? What now? And see, once again, that's like, that's like being born again and your heart being uh, governed by the understanding of a child. Uh, what now? Okay, now I'm born again. Now I'm saved. Uh, what now? I have no knowledge of the one who's present since the moment of new birth. But what now? I don't know. Is this it? Is there more? Is there something more? What, what's next? What now? Well... To answer the question, what now? God himself declared it and declares it from the beginning. Though man, though man has no power to declare unless he has seen the one who is present. Remember? The understanding of a child has no power to speak. Because what is being spoken can only be spoken from God himself. Now, the one who's born again, who's come to the end, the purpose for which God created the soul, the veil being removed, he beholds the one who's in the midst, who has been present, filling the soul since the moment of new birth. This one has power to speak. Why? Because it's not his power. Well, 
If it's not his power, how does he have power to speak? Because what governs the heart is the reality that came at the moment of new birth. It is not I, but Christ in me. The Son is the power of God. The Son is the Word of God. And the one who's governed by the reality of beholding Christ, the Son of God who is present, can easily declare. Because it's, 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 it's the judgment that, that comes in and governs. It is not I, but Christ. It is, Paul put it this way, that the we have, Paul put it this way in Corinthians, we have this treasure, Christ, Son of God, in earthen vessels, natural, dirt, vessels, that the excellency of the power be of God and not of man. So if there's power to speak, it is the power of God, the power of Christ, the Word of God who is present. If there's power to heal, it's the power of God. If there's power for anything, it's God himself. Okay? Now, I know that sounds uh, kind of, well, I know that, I know that. Yes, yes. Yes, we can know that. We can study that. We can learn that. We can hear that and agree to that. Give a uh, mental assent. Acknowledge that, yes. But unless we behold the one who's present, the one who is present, then we're still governed by the understanding of a child. Completely ignorant of the one who's present and filling the land. All right. So verse 40 of John chapter 8, once again, but now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I heard of God. Basically, he says, Abraham didn't seek to kill me. Abraham did not seek my harm. No, he leaped forward to behold me. All right. <clears throat> Now, this is uh, the Cambridge Bible for schools and colleges, and it's, it's a short little, um, I guess, note for John chapter uh, 8, verse 40, where it says, this did not Abraham. It says, a, a litotes, let me see if I can figure out what that word is there. Forgive me, I have... Uh, no problem with admitting when there's a word that I don't know. Ironical understanding in which an affirmative is expressed by the negative of its contrary. Uh, an example, you won't be sorry, meaning you'll be glad. Okay, so... A lie totes or under, understatement of the truth when they said, when Jesus said, this did not Abraham. Basically, he was saying Abraham was rejoicing. Okay? Abraham's life was utterly unlike the whole tenor of theirs, the Jews who were present, the Jews who believed in Jesus, and these believed in him. Okay? That's, that's uh, found, I think, like 
in the same chapter in chapter 8. But it says this, what could there be in common between the friend of God and the enemies of God's son? There is Abraham who is, and we're going to look at the verses here in a little bit, who is the friend of God, right? Versus the enemies of God's son. What can there be in common? Nothing. What communion is there between light and darkness? There is none. What communion is there between the truth and the lie? There is none. There's nothing in common whatsoever. All right? <clears throat> I want to go ahead and read um, because it, it, it gives the example where it says, what could there be in common between the friend of God? The verse reference is James chapter 2, verse 23. I want to go ahead and look there real quick. <clears throat> Let's see, where am I? James chapter 2, but I want to start with uh, verse 21, kind of to get a little bit of a context. Uh, Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was his faith made perfect. Perfect? Perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. He was called the friend of God. And basically, it's only because this is when, when, um, when there was an appearing of Christ, which we haven't gotten there in our, in our regular classes in Genesis yet, but there was an appearing of Christ with... Uh, Isaac, his only begotten, and when he was offered on, um, where does it say it? Offered, uh, when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar, when he was offered upon the altar, there was another appearing of Christ that Abraham beheld. He beheld basically the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Okay? He be, it was another appearing of Christ. And here, it's uh, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So, after so many appearings of Christ, after so many appearings of the Lord in the land that Abraham was beholding, at one point he's now called the friend of God. All right. I have a note right there that I jotted uh, after that verse where it says, and he was uh, called the friend of God, actually right there in that phrase, the friend of God. And basically I, I, I wrote this, a friend knows, listen to me, a friend knows the heart and purpose of another. A friend, one who is a friend, knows the heart and purpose of another. That's a friend. One who knows the heart and purpose of another. Now, can you get that by looking at someone's photograph? No. 
Now, looking at a picture, you have no clue what their heart and their purpose is. Can you get that uh, by reading someone's biography? Well, you can say you kind of know, uh, sort of maybe, until that person themselves appears. You know, uh, you can look at it this way. There were... When I was in college, I think I took a class called uh, Art Appreciation or something like that. And forgive me if I'm butchering the name of the class if I'm saying it wrong. But it was something like that. And basically, we would have to look at a piece of artwork and to some degree interpret it. Or uh, I'll I'll use this example. Uh, When I was in college in English, I can't remember which English class it was, but we would have to read poems and give an interpretation of the poem. Basically, we had to try to figure out what the author was saying in their poem without speaking to the author at all, without knowing the author at all, without sitting down and speaking face-to-face with the author. So, let's say it was a class of 20. You roughly had about 15 to 20 different papers different themes, different conclusions. Why? Because they were all trying to interpret without knowing the person. They were all trying to interpret the person's work without knowing the person. Okay? And you can make you can make something mean a whole lot of different, listen to this, whole lot of different things. And that's what children do. Children, they, you know, imagination, they make stuff up. Uh, games, playing and stuff. But see, not so when the Lord appears. See, we have our understandings, and I was actually praying, talking to the Lord, uh, maybe yesterday or the day before. And um, actually, it might have been this morning, I can't remember, forgive me. I was just talking to the Lord and saying something like, I, I know what I believe this particular passage to be saying, but I don't, want, I don't want to settle for that, Lord. Even if, it's, if it is a true interpretation, I do not want to settle for that. I want to behold your son. Because what else... What is the ultimate end? To, under, to have a perfect understanding of the scripture? Or is it not? Or is it to behold the one of whom the scripture testify, of whom the scriptures speak? Do you see the difference? In be, now, in beholding the face of Christ there will be a perfect understanding of the scripture. Why? Because you will know without doubt it is declaring Christ and Christ alone, the person of Christ. But that's not the goal. The goal is to behold him, the one who's present. All right. Sorry, I'm not sure how I got off on that, but uh, back again uh, with the friend of God. A friend knows the heart and purpose of another. You know, a friend has spent so much time with this other person, 
that they get, they've gotten to know them. They've spent so much time speaking face to face, beholding each other, that they have got, gotten to know what's in their heart, what's their purpose. All right. Now, <clears throat> I've got a couple uh, verses here that I want us to look at. Uh, the first one, it's... Um, let's see. I think I had these. The first one is John chapter 3. I'll just start with verse uh, 20. I'll read verse 26 through verse 31. But verse uh, 26. And they came unto John the Baptist and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, speaking of Christ, Behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come on, come to him. John answered. I'm going to be reading to verse uh, 31. Yeah. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness of me that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Now, but the friend of the bridegroom, this is John, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him, him speak, his word, the power to speak, that heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. You see, John the Baptist knew what was in the heart of Jesus. He knew what it was all about. John the Baptist declared this. If, if you could give a literal voice to the scriptures, this is what it would say. Basically, John the Baptist declaring it. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. First appearing of Christ. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And I love it. It says, and then the next day, John seeth Jesus, looking upon Jesus, declareth, now behold the Lamb of God, apart from sin. Now, he doesn't say apart from sin, but that's what it is. Now to behold him, the second, even as Hebrews says it, the second, the Lord from heaven, apart from sin, unto salvation, unto beholding your salvation that has been present since the moment of new birth, the salvation of the Lord that is present because Christ, the Son of God, is present in the soul. So there it is. John knows what it's all about. That's why he says of himself, the friend of the bridegroom, which stands and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. That's it. He knows what it's all about. 
the bride, the, listen, the bridegroom speaking to the bride and the bride turning with an unveiled face to behold the bridegroom. The husband speaking to the wife and the wife turning with an unveiled face to behold the voice, to behold the face of the voice, the husband. John saw it all and he rejoiced. He rejoiced in the voice of the Lord, in the voice of the Lord. He knows what it's all about, therefore he is a friend. Friend of the Lord, friend of God. All right, I've got um, another passage here with the term friend. It's also in John. And, uh, whoa, this is John chapter 11, verse 11. And this is Jesus speaking of Lazarus. These things said he. And after that, he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Our friend Lazarus. Our friend Lazarus. Let me look that one up over here. John 11, 11. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Our friend Lazarus. Sleeps, but I go, let me wake him up. Now, verse 40, going on. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou, would, thou, would, thou wouldst see the glory of God? Abraham believed. Abraham, listen, Abraham believed the voice of the Lord, so much so that he, in type, when he was in Haran, he heard the voice of the Lord, so much so that he, in type, turned his heart to behold the voice, to behold the Lord. All right, and once again, God declares the end from the beginning, the purpose, the goal from the beginning. Remember when in, in Acts where it says, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when, before he dwelt in, uh, in Haran, he dwelt in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. He appeared and declared this, Get out and come unto a land I will show thee. And the land that God shows is the land that is filled with his glory, that is filled with himself. We all know that Abraham came short. He went as far as the understanding of man can take him, which is nothing more, as the scriptures declare, the understanding of a child with effort, with effort the effort of trying to attain, trying to gain, trying to get something. He goes as far as Haran and all, the Lord doesn't appear to Abram when he's in Haran. All he does is speak, declaring the very same exact thing. Exact thing. Get thee out, of, out from thy kindred, uh, from thy land, from thy kindred, and now he adds from thy father's house because you're not abiding where you are. Unto, unto a land that I will show thee. And then the Lord himself brought Abram. All right. So uh, verse 40, And Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if 
thou wouldst believe thou shouldst see the glory of God. And now verses uh, 43 through 44. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. See, here's another picture. I mean, this is Jesus. He's loving it. (laughs) Excuse me for my vernacular. Lazarus, who's a friend of Jesus and the company and the disciples, Lazarus knows what it's all about. I believe that's why Lazarus gets to be this really beautiful testimony of Christ himself, of the church, of, of those who would come after his resurrection, or shall I say it this way, because it, it's, it's the King James kind of, uh, we don't use that terminolo- terminology, that vocabulary, like the, the, that the King James uses. Uh, it's, it's old school English type. But those who would come forth in his resurrection. Come forth by his resurrection. So here you have Lazarus, one who has who is dead, Right? And Jesus says, before that, he says, Lazarus, our friend, where was it? Uh, Verse, excuse me, verse 11. Uh, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Well, then said the uh, disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he, had, that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then he has to basically say it real plainly, verse 14. Then said Jesus unto them, plainly, Lazarus is dead. He is dead. You know, I think, uh, I think it was either Mary or Martha that says, look, Lord, he's been in the tomb about four days. He stinks. He is dead. Everybody knows he's dead. We are all convinced he's dead. We saw him die. And we saw him buried. He's dead. Okay? <clears throat> now, uh, once again, verse 40. Yeah, unto Martha. Jesus said unto her. Actually, I'll just read verse 39. Uh, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks. For he has been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. If you would believe like Abraham your father, believe the voice, you would see the glory of God. I love this. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse 43. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Come. Purpose. And he that was dead 
came forth, but listen to what it says, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Completely constrained, bound. Bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Kind of like a mummy, I guess you look at it. And his face was bound with a napkin. So guess what? There is a veil over his face. Jesus says unto them, Loose him and let him go. Don't you love that? Unveil him and let him go. Let him go. Let him continue. Because he knows what it's all about. Right? Let's see where we're at. All right, I've got another. I know I'm running out of time here. Uh, I've got another passage to look at. This is uh, also in John. This is John chapter 15. We're going to start with verse 13. 13. There we go. Listen, this is uh, 13 through 15 of John chapter 15. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus declaring himself, that he himself will lay down his life for his friends. And in verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. I was going to read up to verse 15. There we go. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant, servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Friends, a friend. Remember once again, what, what, I, what did I say from, from the very beginning? A friend is basically one who knows the heart and purpose of another. Jesus said, I'm not calling you servants. Now, they were not born again at the time, so I'm just looking at it like a, like a, like a, an, a spiritual order that we must all... Uh, partake of. I'll put it that way. An order that we bestow continually partake of. I don't call you servants because a servant is completely clueless of the mind of his master. Is completely clueless of the heart of his master. All he knows is that he has to be told what to do. He has no clue why he's doing it. Unlike John the Baptist. No, I come baptized. Listen to this. This is what John said. I come baptizing with water because this is why I do what I do. The one who sent me, 
God. There was a man sent of God whose name was John. The one who sent me to baptize with water. And this is why I baptize with water. Not because he said go baptize with water. No, 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 no. I know the reason why he sent me to baptize with water. Because there is one standing in the midst, standing in your midst, whom you do not know, but that you may know him, therefore am I come baptizing with water. Do you see? A friend knows the heart and purpose of another, unlike a servant who has no clue of the purpose of the house, who has no clue of what governs the house, who has no clue about what it is all about. And Jesus says this, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. I have made known everything of God my Father unto you. Therefore, you know what is in my heart. You know what my purpose is. You know, and I call you friends. As Abraham continued in the appearing of the Lord, he knows what it's all about. And now he is declared the friend of God because he knows what the purpose of God is. He knows what's in the heart of God. What it's, he knows what it's all about. But see, a servant, one who would have the understanding of a child, has no clue. Kind of like, I mean, even in the natural. You Okay, I'll give you an example. In the natural, you have a child and you tell them this. Don't stick your toys in the electrical outlet. And their response is something like, but why not? Why? See, they don't know the why. You know the why. So the child just basically has to be told what to do. Don't do that. But why? Because it will hurt you. Here, do this instead. But why? You know? And then they have to go and learn from experience. They get shocked or jolted or whatever. And then it's like, oh, that's why. But they, a the understanding of a child, the child doesn't know why they're being asked or told to do something. Remember, once again, John the Baptist. God didn't send John and say, okay, go baptize. And John was like, having an understanding of a child. No, he did not. This is just an example. Like if John had the understanding of a child, he would have been like, well, why do you want me to baptize, God? What's, what's this? Dunking people in water. You know, I, I don't see a purpose in doing this. I don't see this as something important. But that was not so concerning John the Baptist. John was the friend of the bridegroom who rejoiced at the voice of the bridegroom. He was a friend. He knew what it was all about. That's why when Jesus came to be baptized, remember, 
Okay, finally, John submitted and said, okay, yes, I will submit and baptize you. And then it says, and when Jesus came out of the water, up out of the water in type in resurrection, the heavens were opened and the whole entire heart of those who were present, or at least the heart of John, the attention of the heart was gathered and taken up to behold the heavens opened. This is a heavenly thing. This is something of God. And beholding the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, lighting and remaining upon him. The Holy Spirit bringing the full attention of the heart unto a man and remaining upon a man. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. To basically, very simply, turn our hearts to behold the one who is present. And when that happens, when our hearts turn, the veil is removed, and then just like with the example of John in in the Gospel of John with John the Baptist, you have God the Father declaring this. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The continual turning of the heart, the continual revealing of the Son of God, of Christ, the Son of God who is present, and the continual declaring of the Son of God in our heart and soul, declaring himself, I am. Beautiful. So John the Baptist knew what it was all about. Jesus, once again, John chapter 15, verse 15, For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. He has no clue what it's all about. He just does with no understanding of why he does or why he doesn't do. See? The understanding of a child. All right. This is... um, Yeah. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. This all things... Can you hear the Apostle Paul? All things gathered in his Son, in Christ his Son, is basically the purpose, the vocation of the ages, which is this, every beholding and thus knowing the one who is present, the knowledge of the Son of God. I'll read it again. This is my comment. Ever beholding and thus knowing the one who is present, Christ himself, the knowledge of the Son of God now governs. All right. Now, uh, I know my time is running out here, but I want to read this last uh, passage right here. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I know you all are thinking this one particular thing, but here's here's... When you look and when you read this, you have to look at uh, charity, love, as being Christ himself. Remember Jesus said, they are they that testify of me. It has to be declaring Christ himself. Listen, not an attribute of God, not an attribute of Christ. No, Christ himself, who is, listen, the love of God, who is the righteousness of God, who is the salvation of the Lord of God the light of God, all these things. It's Christ himself, all right? So I'm just going to uh, insert the, the term Christ here in, in 
instead of uh, charity when I'm reading it. Uh, let's see, we're verse 8. I kind of moved it a little bit. Christ never faileth, but where there are prophecies, they shall fail. Uh, whether whether uh, there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, the knowledge of the natural man, not the knowledge of the spiritual man, who is Christ himself, not, not the knowledge of the Son of God, but the knowledge of man, of mankind. The knowledge, the understanding of a child, remember, doesn't know why he does. He has no clue what it's all about. Right? Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But where is it that we know in part and prophesy in part? It's right here with the understanding of a child. Which differs nothing from a slave because he has no clue about what it is all about. He has no clue concerning what governs the house. He has no clue concerning the father of the house. He has no clue concerning the heart and mind of the one who is present filling the house. The mind of Christ. He has no, he has no clue. He is not governed by the mind of Christ. Governed by his own mind. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. All that, all that, all that. When we're a child. When we're governed by the natural. But, okay. But, and I, I love that word, uh, the, the but. Because you listen to this. Paul uses that a lot because it was completely, the change was revealed in the heart and soul of Paul and the change was, listen, not I, but Christ who is present. Christ who is life. All right? Uh, But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Well, what do you mean, uh, is is come. So uh, like coming like uh, like it wasn't there before. No, not so. You could look at it. Strong's uh, Strong's number. Where is it? Strong's number twenty sixty four. One of the ways it's uh, translated into the English is appear. And that's exactly how I'm going to read it in this verse. But when that which is perfect appears, oh yes, what, who is that which is perfect? Christ himself. When he appears, when Christ appears, then that which is in part shall be done away. The veil of ignorance. The understanding of the child. The understanding of the servant. And what remains when the veil is taken away? The one in the midst who has been present filling the whole earth since the moment of new birth. Once again, but when that 
which is perfect. But when he, which is perfect, appears, then that which is in a part shall be done away. Then he defines it even further. Gives an example. When I, Paul, was a child, okay, he's not speaking, he is speaking to the church, he is speaking to those who were born again, in whom Christ dwells, and who dwell in Christ, who are found in salvation, because salvation is found in them. He's speaking to believers who are born again, who may be ignorant of the one who has been present since the moment of new birth. He's saying, giving an example of himself. When I was a child, when I had the understanding of a child, listen to this, I love this. I spake as a child. But I didn't speak as the man. There was no power to speak the truth. There was no power to speak reality. There was no power to speak at all. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. And you can look at this verse with an inner linear and you're going to find exactly this the way I'm going to translate it because I've already studied this out. But when I became governed by the man, when I beheld the man, when the mind of Christ began to govern my heart, I saw that the child was put away. Was, past tense, put away. Not at that moment. No, no. At the moment of new birth, the reality that's present is not I, but Christ who is present. Now, at the moment when God the Father reveals Christ, His Son, who is present in the soul, then the reality that came at new birth, the change that came at new birth, now is effectual in the heart and soul of the believer. Now it's governing. Once again, but, and listen to it, not but, not I but Christ, not I but Christ, remember? When, verse 11 again, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I beheld the man, but when the man appeared, but Christ, him who is perfect, then the automatic result, I saw, I understood that the child was put away. Now he goes back once again, more examples. For now, as long as we are governed by the understanding of a child, the understanding of a servant, which has no clue what anything is about, has no clue what the purpose, he has no clue for what the purpose of the scriptures are. He has no clue about the whole purpose of God for creating the soul. For now, we see through a glass darkly. Can't, kind, can't figure it out. I, I kind of see an image. Very darkly. But then, remember, not but, but then, I love the way he says this, very clear, face to face. 
as long as we are not beholding the face of Christ, we see through a glass darkly. And we, in our own minds, in our own imaginations, uh, we come away beholding, as it were, our own image and not yet the image of the perfect man, the more excellent man who is present through a glass darkly. I love the way he says this real clearly. But then, face to face, but, but when, but when? Whenever the heart turns unto the Lord and the veil is removed. That's when. It's a whenever. Now I know in part, having the understanding, now he's giving another example. Now I know in part. It's my knowing and it's in part. Pieces. You know, I don't see the full picture. Listen to me. I don't see the full picture. I don't know what it's all about yet. I don't know the whole purpose. I don't know the, the mind or heart of the person yet. As long as I continue with the understanding of a child, which differs nothing from the understanding of a servant. For now I know in part, ah, but then, listen to this, but then I shall know even as also I am known. Now, how is it that God knows every believer. He knows them by the life that is present. Listen to this. He knows them by his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is present in the soul. God the Father knows the son. Excuse me. Then he goes on, uh, verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity, is love. The substance himself is the greatest of all these. The greatest of all the concerning even the expectation. It's the substance himself. The expectation, the hope, the, the faith isn't, isn't anything except it bring to the substance himself. That's the whole purpose of it, to bring to the substance himself. All right? <clears throat> uh... I know I've gone over on time here. Yeah. I won't read the rest of these commentaries because it'll end up going a little further. But um, I'd have to like make more comments to tie it all together. But I'll just go ahead and end with <coughs> with this. That... Uh, Jesus had a perfect understanding of his Father. It was based on him beholding the face of his Father. Abraham, who is called the friend of God, knew what it was all about. He knew it. He was governed by the heart of God, by the mind of God, by the purpose of God. He was governed. He never left the land after the, the Lord from Egypt brought him back from Egypt, you know, through divine providence. Abraham never left the land again. He never stepped out of the purpose for which God created the soul. He never stepped out of that. Abraham knew it. And therefore, the scriptures, James and the scriptures can say, so Abraham is called the friend of God because he knew what it was all about. 
until the Spirit of God prepares the ground of our heart to such a degree that our heart, that in our heart there's birth, this expectation to behold Him who is present. Until that moment, until that time, then we continue as a child, which differs no different than a servant, having no clue about what it is all about, no clue about what governs the house, no clue of what is in the heart of the master of the house. Until the day dawn, the day star arise in our hearts and God the Father reveal Him who is present in the soul from the moment of new birth. And then what governs is the knowledge of the Son of God. And that believer is now a friend of God, a friend of the Son of God, because he knows what it's all about. He's not like a servant that has no clue. No, a friend knows the heart and purpose of another. He knows what it's all about. He doesn't have to ask. He doesn't have to question. He knows the reason why he does what he does. So with that, I'll end the class. And once again, let's just, you know, allow the Spirit of the Lord to do what he does, prepare the ground of our hearts to bear an appearing of Christ, to bear the Father revealing his Son in our soul. And may we just yield to that working of the Holy Spirit until the day dawn and the day star arise in our hearts. And then may we yield yet again and again and again because brothers and sisters, this is what it is all about. Amen? Amen. We'll see you in our next class. The Lord bless. Amen.